I want to thank the churches of the Southern I want to thank the churches of the Southern Baptist Convention for sending your missionaries and your support to Ukraine. I came to know Jesus Christ because of a Southern Baptist missionary. I began to grow as a Christian because of a Southern Baptist missionary. And we have served with the missionaries from the IMB over all these years. I planted my church. I was ordaining this church with a missionary from the IMB ordaining me. And right now, when the war in Ukraine began, my wife, she had to walk across the border from Ukraine into Romania. And the first people who met her on that other side were our dear friends from the IMB. They were able to welcome her, to give her a hug, to give her a hot cup of tea, and to send her further. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your prayers. And thank you for your presence with us around the world. God bless you abundantly.
today is the last day of time, and then they, you've got until January the 8th before the rebellion begins. They declare that this was the, the Motown view that's going to be as they punish them. Uh, December 13th, there's, that's this coming Wednesday, there will be a, a special business meeting of the Christian Council's budget for 2024, and then also they meet to come in to have this special meeting. Next Sunday, the 17th, our kids are going to be singing. Both kids will be enjoying those. Um, nurses, uh, they will have a party for Jesus, Wednesday party for Jesus on the 17th, that morning. And then next week, there will be no nurse meeting because uh, for one reason, they won't be here to watch their kids during the, the Christmas uh, presentation. Our meal for this week uh, is going to be spaghetti salad. Thank you. 
chapter 2 this morning, we're going to begin reading in verse 8. It says, Jesus has been born in the stable, Mary and Joseph have made their way, there's no room for them in the inn, and so they are uh, in a uh, makeshift cave or barn, whatever that may have looked like, and the animals are in there, and uh, Jesus himself has been born, and 
one of the first things that we're going to see this morning is that the result of Christmas is this, that because of Christmas, you and I don't have anything to fear. Because of Christmas, you and I don't have anything to fear. Now, I'm a parent. I know my son's a little bit older, but as a parent, uh, one of the things that I used to do when, when my son would cry out for me, you know, especially in the middle of the night, and you go running into the room, and you know, your mind's going 100 miles an hour, and somebody's looking in the window, and they're throwing up. You know, what, what's going on with my, with my son? But you go running in, and, and you'll get a story like this. Dad, there's a monster under my bed. Well, what's your job as a parent? back down the hallway, and you're going back to your bedroom, and you're shaking your head, and you're thinking, oh, how ludicrous, my son's going to look at the monster in my bed. Twenty minutes later, or the next night, or three weeks later, you go through the same routine, and it's over, and over, and over, and over again, and you have a, maybe you have a kid that, that does this, and this is kind of my, my world for a little while, but he always thought there was a monster under his bed, or there was one in the closet, and I thought, how careful of a monster that to be to get all the way in your room to go hide in the closet? You know, if you didn't hear him walk in, you're certainly not going to hear him in the closet, but you go through the door, you open the closet door, and, and what do I say to my son over and over again? Hey, there's nothing to be afraid of. You don't have to fear that. Even though in my mind, I think, you know what, that's a little, that's a little ludicrous for me to think that there's a monster under my bed. But here's what I do as a grown adult. I have things in my life that I fear. Right? I have things that probably my Heavenly Father looks at me and says, if you want me to put my hand in that, I will, but you should know that my hand is already there. You don't have anything to fear. And this Heavenly Father probably thinks sometimes, man, this human, if he would just learn to trust me a little bit more, he would understand my words when I say, do not fear. There's nothing to be afraid of. I get afraid about things that are going to happen tomorrow. I get afraid about things that are going to happen down the road. I get to, I'm scared about what's going to happen to my mom and dad and their health. I get scared about my son driving around Memphis. I have all of these things that I tend to get afraid of, but over and over and over again, my Heavenly Father comes in and looks around and takes time and says, listen, all throughout Scripture I've told you, there's nothing to be afraid of. And because of Christmas, this is where we are. And if you don't leave here this morning with anything, you need to understand that 365 times in Scripture, do we think that's a coincidence? 365 times in Scripture, it tells us, do not fear. That's basically one from every single day of the year. And because of Christmas, this is what we have. It should not escape our notice that, that God doesn't want us to live in fear. What happens when we fear? It causes lifelessness and hopelessness. There's a lack of confidence and a lack of peace. We, we all experience fear at some point in our lives, and we all encounter fear sometimes in our lives. So can I tell you something? There's a big difference between encountering fear and the building of fear. All throughout Scripture, we see different times that men and women of the Bible encountered fear. But most of the time, they didn't live in that type of fear. And so today, I want us to get to this point that because of Christmas, there's nothing that we have to fear. He did not design us to live in fear. And I really just have two things I want to share with you this morning just very quickly. And the, the first thing is this. There, there are two announcements that come forward. One is by one angel. 
The first announcement is by one particular angel. Look here with me in verse 8, beginning of Luke chapter 2. In the same region, shepherds were staying out of the field and keeping watch at night over the flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Let me pause right there for just a second. You've got one angel that comes to make this announcement, and they, whenever this angel comes down, it comes on the shepherds. Now, these weren't just any ordinary shepherds. There were shepherds all over the place, but uh, particularly these shepherds were just outside the city gates of Jerusalem, possibly. And so outside of the city gates, what would happen is this, that they were getting ready for Passover. And in order to go into Passover, you had to have all kinds of sacrifices. The ultimate sacrifice for the sin was a perfect, unblemished lamb. And so the shepherds would go into these huge flocks, and they would find these perfect, unblemished lambs. And then they would have a certain number of shepherds that would bring them back closer to the city gate, so that as the people were coming in by the hundreds and thousands to to celebrate the Passover feast, they would stop where these shepherds were. This is where they would purchase these unblemished lambs to go in for the sacrifice. So these are the shepherds that the angel appears to. They are watching over these unblemished lambs that are going to go in for Passover. And as the angel of the Lord comes and begins to speak to them, it says, it tells us that they were terrified. Now, who wouldn't be? Right? Let's be honest. I'm terrified. Angel shows up at my house and splits everything wide open and starts singing. Like, that's freaking me out just a little bit, okay? I'm going to be a little bit scared, right? Even when the angel says to me, hey, there's nothing to be scared of. Well, buddy, I don't know about you, but it's something I've ever seen before, right? I'm going to be just a little bit terrified. But this is what the angel says, since they were terrified. And then in verse 10, it says, but the angel said to them, don't be afraid. But look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord, was born to you in the city of David. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a manger. As the angel hears, this is just the angel is communicating that the lambs around them are not sufficient sacrifice to please God. The real and true sacrificial and substitutionary lamb had been born in Bethlehem. This encounter was very intentional. You understand that shepherds are very lowly people. Most of the time, we see that as outcasts, as dying. They get to be lonely. Why would the first announcement of the baby come to the lowliest of those who would die? Because ultimately, what God was showing through his son is this is exactly who Jesus is coming for. He's coming for the lowly. He's coming for the weak. He's coming for those who don't believe that they deserve some kind of sacrifice that Jesus was willing to make. And look what he says here in verse 9, one more time. It says, and they, it says, Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. Now this glory that's shining, this is the Shekinah glory, and it represents the holiness and the awesomeness of God throughout the Bible. You see it in Exodus 24, Isaiah chapter 6, even in Romans chapter 9. The presence of God's glory reveals what's happening. It reveals that now God has come in the flesh. But even more than that, it is revealing the sin of these shepherds that are there. The shepherds only have one way 
of being forgiven of your sins. And that's traditionally what's going to happen through the land at the Passover. And now all of a sudden, the angel appears and begins to tell this story. And it says this, the veil is being torn away by your sins. You no longer will have to take these kind of sacrifices. The ultimate sacrifice has been torn away. This is not the gospel. You and I have plenty in this world to be afraid of. All you've got to do is just come and join Shane up with me. And you sit there about 20 minutes, and it's pretty easy to be taken back. But you know what else time you open the book of God? It tells you over and over again this is true. Why? Because of Christmas. Because of the, the birth of Jesus Christ. This is why you and I don't have to be afraid. This is the greatest game that Satan plays with you and me, right? He gets in our brain and says, oh, you need to be afraid of that. You need to be nervous about that. But all of a sudden, nervousness turns into anxiety. And all of a sudden, anxiety turns into full-on being afraid. And all of a sudden, being afraid makes us be very, very still. And it numbs us to doing the things that God has called us to do. This is why we need a do not fear. 365 days of fear. Because this is what you and I do. We fall into the trap that Satan plays when it comes to the greatest gift that God has. But yet here in this moment, this angel shows up. And with the glory of the Lord shining all over the angel and all over the area, he looks at the shepherds and he says, do not fear. They were terrified at this unusual sight. They were terrified at the fact that potentially their sin is being revealed. But the angel says to them, don't be afraid. I tell you, good news for everyone. A Savior has been born. The Savior is the Messiah. The baby in the manger is a sign. This first announcement by a single angel is don't be afraid. So did the world. And you and I don't need to live in fear because the Messiah John MacArthur puts it this way in his book. He says, in stark contrast between Jesus' exalted status as Savior, Messiah, and God, and the humble circumstances of his birth, emphasizes the magnitude of his emptying himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. This is no accident. This is something that was planned from the very beginning. God the Father knew there had to be a perfect sacrifice, and He did it in the form of His Son. This is why you and I don't need to fear. Because Jesus has come. This is the first announcement. The second announcement is this. It's not only by one angel, but it's made by many angels. Look what happens in verse 13. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people who favors. This multitude of heavenly hosts, it's a, it's a military term. And it's, it's designated to refer to, to soldiers. Okay, so praising becomes this verb. It indicates continuous action. They were already praising God before they revealed to the shepherds. This is something that has never been seen before up to this point in Scripture in the history of mankind. Nothing like this has ever been seen before, and it will not be seen again after you get to Revelation chapter 5. So to these lowly shepherds, in the den that has never occurred in all of history, occurs in front of them. This is the scene that Jesus is in. This multitude of heavenly hosts of 
shows up. When you look at the language, here's what happens. The heavenly host doesn't show up and begin to pray. Okay? The singular angel shows up to give the announcement of Jesus' birth. And in the midst of this announcement, it's as if a window into heaven is open. And when it's open, the shepherds see what's happening around the throne. Did you get the picture? All that's happening around the throne is day in and day out for all of eternity is every beat sound and everything being still praising God for who He is. And the shepherds have to see what's happening. And as the announcement comes, they keep looking at the shepherds. This is why you don't have to pray. Nothing is happening in this life. Do you think God is worried about anything that happens on the earth that's going to overtake the throne and His glory and take over the throne? Do you think God is worried about what's going to happen in eternity and about the battle that Satan is going to come and try to battle against Him? Because He's not. Do you think He's worried about the end of the earth when everything goes away and when eternity begins from there on? Because He's not. Because He's still on His throne. Because He's still in control. And nothing's ever going to take that away from Him. And so the angel, along with the whole multitude, show up and say, There's no need to fear. The one that's on the throne's got it under control. The one that's in charge has got it under control. The one that holds everything in his hand has got it under his control. You don't have anything to fear. This is the picture that's happening in front of the shepherds. And over and over and over again, we see that you and I do not need to fear. This glory that is revealed over and over again. And in verse 14, it says it's glory to God. The Greek word for that is doxa, which refers to the worth of someone. It means praise and honor, magnify someone because of who they are, what they have done, and what they will do. It refers to who a person is, and Jesus reveals who God is. This is what glory means. That the one in charge has taken care of everything. He's taking care of everything right now. He's going to take care of everything in the future. And the promise of everything in the future that the announcement the angels are making that look the promises to me tonight. And I want you to get to see it. The angels say this. They say, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people who favor. This is spiritual peace. This is not the absence of conflict defined by the world. This is a spiritual peace that occurs between God and man. Because ultimately, it will be the absence of conflict that comes with it. The angel's announcement is a song of praise to his character, to his abilities, to his statutes, to everything that he is. And the birth of the Messiah is proof that God remembers his promises and he keeps them. Listen, if we were to go around the room right here at this second, we would find most of us have something to fear. We've got things that we're afraid of. We have things that we're scared of. We have things that are causing anxiety in our life. But when you look at the picture that the angels are painting for the shepherds and the promises that we get through the birth of the Savior, this is why it happens. So that you and I will not be scared. And it is. Do you think the shepherds? Do you think God said this 
somehow for some of us the exact place that we need to be. We just don't go according to the exact time. And unexpected things pop up in the midst of a normal day and we get interruptions. And it causes fear and anxiety and panic. They could be unsettling. These interruptions cause fear in the very beings that can connect directly with the Lord. We see this all throughout Scripture. Isaiah chapter 41, do not fear, not fear. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. The psalmist in Psalm chapter 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Chapter 1, but God has not given us the spirit of fear for us, but one of power, love, and self-control. You see, when you begin to look at the phrase, do not fear, in the light of Scripture as a whole, what we begin to put together is that this is not a suggestion. It's not just a command. Do not fear. This is a warning. And it's all throughout Scripture. It's like the shepherd from an instrument song, unexpected Jesus himself actually said this phrase. And the first time that he says it is found in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 24. The disciples are in the boat and they know the story and they're heading across the sea and as they are, again, the storm comes up and the boat's being rocked against with the waves and beaten back. And then all of a sudden Jesus begins to walk across the water and then away from the disciples and they're arguing amongst each other. What is it? Is it a ghost? Who is this coming across the water? And as Jesus gets close, what does he say to the disciples? In other words, Jesus is telling his disciples from the position of this boat, I'm delivering myself to you in that boat such a way that I can rescue you. There's nothing for you to fear. It's the same announcement that the Lord gives to a multitude of people that come out from the vicinity every day. It is a warning sent to them to take direction. One of the names that is given to Jesus is one of his miracle names. Which is God with us. Most of us haven't got that name as a public statement from His presence. But you and I have the natural fear. Listen, if I could challenge you to be offended today, this is what it would be. It would, you would take whatever's causing that fear in your life, and over the next few moments, you would just throw that at the feet of Jesus. Now, some of the fears that we walk around with are real little-bitty things. If we told them to other people, they'd be like parents to that child. I don't stand that. But for whatever reason, it makes us a little bit scared. Some of us in this room are walking around with fears that probably no one could even imagine. Anxieties that are so deep we can't really walk hard enough to confront them. Prayer and my challenge would be that thing. Would it be possible for you to just throw those fears down? Would it be possible for you to look in the face of the Holy One and say, I can't do this. I'm so afraid. I'm so nervous of this. It seems so huge in my world. I don't know what to do with it, but I trust you. 
You see, ultimately, this is what it comes down to, right? When Jesus is approaching the boat, and he's walking across those waves, and the wind is blowing, and he looks at the disciples and says, look, it's me. There's nothing for you to be terrified of. Who's the one that jumps out of the boat? Peter. He's our guy, right? Because they all have the faith of Peter. He's like, tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, come on. And Peter just bails out. Have you ever noticed that Jesus didn't calm the storm until after he got close to the boat? So when Peter bails out of the boat, he's walking on top of the same storm that he ultimately was afraid of. In the moment, Peter was like, I trust who you are, and I'm willing to focus on you and not the storm. My fear has subsided, not because I don't see the physical waves going away, but because my focus is on you, my Jesus. And it wasn't until he turned his eyes away from Jesus that he began to see. And this is what happens to you and me when we walk through life full of fear and full of nervousness and full of anxiety and full of just filled with all of these things that Satan puts in our mind. It's not because they're overwhelming us. It's because we're taking our focus off of Jesus and who he is. This is why we fear. And if I could challenge you this morning, it would be this. Put your focus on Jesus. This is why we celebrate Christmas. It's not about the trees, and it's not about the presents. It's not about the musical. It's not about the food. It's about the faithfulness of the God. We play a good game sometimes as as believers when we say, you know what, Christmas is all about Jesus. But sometimes we miss that in our faith. But see, we need to follow Jesus in such a way that when Satan begins to put doubt in our minds and our hearts, when he begins to fear, we need to follow so closely with Jesus that we run this Christian spirit over and over and over and over again that you and I do not need to fear. Because God still loves us. He's in control of every single thing. Nothing can ever get out of God's hands. And he sent his son, Jesus, to be the perfect sacrifice for you and me so that you and I can walk through life full of faith, full of trust, and believing because nothing in this world can ever get away from God. But from physical death to simple life. From simple hands on the cross to simple life. Conflict on the cross so great about God that he sent his son of God and he's willing to walk with us from standing feet of our faith from standing over those of us who think they're good to our calling you out and saying you're my son I'm with you listen would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning and as you're doing that I'm going to ask Pastor Ron to come back down and we'll sing one last song and with your head bowed and your eyes closed listen I I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe you're walking through something that ultimately has you very terrified. Would you be willing to lay it down at the foot of Jesus? Maybe you're here this morning and, and maybe you've just lost focus. Maybe your focus is, has become on more things of this world than on Jesus. Would you be willing just to lay that at his feet? Maybe you're here this morning and You've never given your life to Christ the very first time. You just decided to show up this morning and maybe you're watching online because it's Christmas and, and everybody's kind of making a big fuss about it. Maybe, maybe this is you this morning. Can I tell you? 
Jesus loves you right where you are. You have to do anything to earn the salvation you have to do anything to gain favor with God. But Jesus came to the earth on that fateful day. He did that for you because He loves you. Whatever you're struggling with this morning, whatever the Lord is working in your heart right now, don't be discouraged. But I do know He's calling you to do anything He's calling you to do. Father, you are holy and you are faithful. Thank you for the beautiful story of the coming of your son. Thank you for how you revealed yourself to the shepherds and the faithful. We're so excited for this great day. And we celebrate the fact that you sent baby to come. And he did it because you love us. You came down from glory. You left everything. You left your father's side. You did it out of obedience because you love each and every one of us. Help us not to lose that focus this morning. Help us to walk with this life believing and knowing that there is nothing that we have to do because we love you. Jesus, move in this place. Show us how to respond. May we be faithful and obedient to you in whatever that calling may be. We worship and we grumble when it's just important, but even now we're we're worshiping and not withdrawing, but we, we, we worship and do it from this time because you are worthy of all praise. Glory and honor to your name. Holy is holy. There's nothing, nothing we can do. Just as the sand, this altar is open, I just want to take a moment. God, we just love you. We bow to you this morning because we know that everybody is here. Would you stand with me as we sing?